0: Welcome to this episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the kind sponsorship from Owner Res. Providing a powerful and flexible system for managing vacation rental properties, Owner Res provides booking and maintenance management, payment scheduling and collection, as well as insightful reporting. ownerrez will provide you with a long-term booking foundation that is scalable for your vacation rental business while fully managing your channel listings, but still focusing on your brand, your website, and your way of doing things. Listen in to the mid-episode break where you will hear more about this internationally recognized leader in vacation rental software. For more information about Res, click the link in the description of this episode on your smart device. Let's get started. Here is your host, Heather Bayer.
1: For those of you who have been listening to my podcast for some time, you'll recall that I've talked to the one and only Matt Landau on many occasions. We used to call it the mashup with Matt where we would just talk about what's going on in the industry and where the industry is actually going. So, resurrecting this, I so enjoyed my discussion with Matt Landau, and I'm sure you will too. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information, and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new, and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I'm super excited to be back with you once again. Today, we're talking about all things hospitality, and I know we do this a lot. But I am talking to the one and only Matt Landau about the way that hospitality is heading and if it's going in the right direction and what we can do to stay the course and keep the whole concept of limited edition front and centre in the minds of our guests and of the professional operators in this business. So, there's a lot to unpack in this episode. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So, without further ado, let's go on straight over to my interview with Matt. Mm-hmm. So super happy to have with me yet again, and it's been a little while actually, Matt, um, the great Matt Landau from VRMB and the Inner Circle, and now Keystone Retreat. And that is where Matt is coming from, the new event called Keystone Retreats. So firstly, thank you so much for joining me for another, and I'm going to be calling it a mashup with Matt because we haven't done that for ages, and I thought we should reinstate this tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the moment, and then we'll go in and explore what you've been doing.
2: The Keystone Retreat is a private series of gatherings uh, that I started putting on back in August, along with Steve Schwab, who you may know of Casago. He's been in the industry for quite some time. He and I had always talked about putting together small groups of leaders and talking through some of the stuff that You don't get a chance to really dive into at a conference uh, just because there's so many people and you want to do everything. You might get a little tip passing in the hallway for a brief moment, but when you have small gatherings of great people, you get to discuss some really important uh, stuff. So this is now our second Keystone Retreat. The first one was at a farm just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. I am currently on a farm called Emma's Driftwood Farm. And this place, uh, Heather, is very limited edition. It looks Every little. It, cabin, it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, the cabins have all been refurbished. They look really old and just worn. But the moment you open the doors, they're all beautifully manicured. And there are all these beautiful trees with, I don't want to call them weeping willows, but they've got all this Spanish moss. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up this morning, there was uh, somebody outside cutting the lawn and i said hello and he introduced himself as the mayor of darien (laughs) georgia and i said really like is you really the mayor he said yeah and he gave me his card so he (laughs) happens to take care of the properties so he's going to be coming and meeting our guests for breakfast each morning we had a lovely conversation about what community means in this part of georgia
1: that's fantastic because I think community and hospitality is is going to be a little bit of the theme of what we're going to be talking about today. Because there's, there's lots of stuff that's been coming up recently, stuff on VRMB and then stuff that I've been reading. And I just thought we, we should explore a little bit about this sort of in relation to limited edition. And I guess since it's been a while since we talked about it, you should perhaps give us a quick definition of what limited edition
2: actually is? Limited edition for me is one-of-a-kind positioning. It's something that we all have within us. We are individual. We have our own way of seeing the world. And it's about channeling that one-of-a-kind spirit, that which makes vacation rental properties and hosts wonderful, and actually packaging it and presenting it in a polished way so that when people find it, they see it for its value. And I was originally introduced to this uh, idea of limited edition in Casco Viejo, the historic district where I lived for so long. The realtor in town referred to investments in Casco Viejo as limited edition investments. Because UNESCO had created all these preservation rules, you couldn't just build however much you wanted. You had to retain Mm -hmm. the facade. You had to retain the blueprint. And therefore, there would never be more than a fixed amount of properties on the market. And she referred to that as a limited edition investment. That sent me down the limited edition rabbit hole of exploring ways in which the vacation rental professionals can be more original, ways that we can make our guests feel one of a kind, create these special moments, these special experiences for them, it's something that really plays into the hands of the little guys and gals, and it deserves more championing.
1: Well, you just come back from Israel recently, and you experienced some limited edition hospitality there. So let's explore that, because I think that is, that, that's a great starting point.
2: Wow, this was a huge, such a, a, a huge trip for me. I don't know, Heather, if you've ever gone on a trip, a vacation, a solo trip, at a particular time in your life, in which things just clicked and like little sparks mm-hmm. happened, have you?
1: I, I think so, when I, when I first came out to Canada, that was my time, yes.
2: Well, I think this was the case with Israel. I have some wonderful VRMB community members from C and Rent, which is a vacation rental management company in Israel. They also have properties in Florence now. They had been saying, Matt, you're Jewish. You've never been to Israel in 40 years. You missed the opportunity with birthright. Come visit. And I, I never visited. I never took them up on this invitation. And upon reflecting, I think it was because of the media. Mm-hmm. Just kind of subconsciously in my background, you know, you hear about all the stuff that's happening and you're like, yeah, I kind of want to go on vacation to somewhere where there's not any drama. <laughs> I think that's what kept me from visiting all these years from placing it higher on my priorities list. But I finally went for my 40th birthday. My best friend, Adam, and I decided to gift ourselves a trip to Israel to celebrate. And it was incredible. I mean, everything everybody says about Israel, it was, Mm -hmm. and more. And I was really just moved by the entire experience. The actual hospitality, I would say, from the team at CN Rent very simply looked like a friend. When you go to a new place, you want to have somebody who can point you in the right direction or point you away from the wrong direction. And this team, they know what they're doing. And prior to arrival, they answered all the questions that I had. And then they posed to me, Heather, a most perplexing of questions. They said, What's the purpose of your trip to Israel? And I was like, <laughs> Vacation? Birthday? (laughs) (laughs) Birthday party? I I was like, I haven't, I'm not prepared for this, but give Mm -hmm. me some time to, to, to reflect. And by the end of the trip, I had been asking myself, what's the purpose of this trip? What's the purpose of this trip? And by the end of the trip, I realized the purpose, which was at this new stage in my professional career, wanting to tell stories better than. I have before to become a better storyteller, I need to become a deeper human in order to really resonate with people. And I think uh, this trip was a little personal discovery process, knowing myself better, where I came from, why Mm -hmm. I am the way I am. Everybody looks like me there. (laughs) So it was really remarkable. It was just one of those trips that, that I think will mark an important inflection point in my, in my thinking.
1: Was there anything that really stood out to you in terms of hospitality and you know a, a limited edition type of feeling?
2: Well, they, this company, C&Rent, practices all the limited edition pillars. They're a family business. They're locally based. They're specialized in particular property types. And they provide these wonderful little surprises. You know, on arrival, there was this great little introduction spread and reservation, uh, suggested reservations at a restaurant. But I will say, I will take that question a little more meta Mm -hmm. because everyone in Israel, if you're Jewish and it's your first time there, they try to get you to stay. (laughs) And they each have their own version of doing this, some more aggressive than others. I went to a Shabbat dinner, where the sister of one of our community members, Leo, she was definitely into let's get Matt to move here mode. <laughs> <laughs> and she gave me like the business card of her favorite rabbi in the United States. <laughs> that was one kind of hospitality. Eat all this food, uh, meet all these people. You were born to be here right now. Stay. And then on the other end of the this, this spectrum was Guy, who's one of the founders of CN Rent, and he took me for a tour of where he lives up north. And he's like the opposite of orthodox or co- uh, conventional or aggressively trying to get anybody to do anything. He's like hippie. <laughs> he's like a hippie. And Guy, in his own way, gave me a reason to want to move there. He gave me his version of the town. And I thought it was very moving. So I think both of those Jewish mm-hmm. uh, things were just very hospitable. Felt great. Felt like uh, I was at home.
1: Yeah. I, and I, I, think, I think that nails it, doesn't it? You felt like, I mean, you just said treating you like a friend and then as if you were at home too. Uh, and that that is the the core really of hospitality. So I want to move on from that to a, just a post you made on the inner circle about your friend Molly, and that mm. was really the trigger for me to connect with you and and say come on the show and let's talk about this because it really it sent me down a rabbit hole. That post you said my friend Molly is on vacation in India and shared with me how hospitable everyone is how strangers were so generous and welcoming with food, how everyone refers to her as Miss and Madam, how she felt like royalty and soon discovered the Sanskrit phrase, and I'm not sure I'm going to say this right, Atithi Devo Bhava, which translates as the guest is God. This could come as a shocker to many. (laughs) And certainly if you're looking around on Facebook groups, the concept of the guest is God is probably not going to go down too well. (laughs) Take that a little bit further and tell me what you think.
2: Oh, it's so funny because those Facebook groups, people are complaining about how terrible and disrespectful and unwelcome guests are in their home. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> are, isn't this a hospitality business? Like, if you're this miserable with your guests online, I can only imagine how it feels to stay in your property.
1: Exactly, and as I say, it's it's always a shocker to me to see some of those posts, you know. And I remember years ago when I was in the beginnings of the property management company, and we had a cleaner, and it was one of the first things I think that really got me about being hospitable—that you have to you have to train everybody. It's not just you as an owner or an operator; everybody that is involved with guests has to be on the same page because I had a call from my cleaner and her, uh, when she went to do a changeover and her first words were, those renters were pigs. And I was blown away by that. And I said, Hey, hey, hold on a second. Those renters, (laughs) those guests, that's the first thing. It took me a long time in Ontario to change that word from renters to guests. But I said, first thing, they're not renters. They are guests in my home. And the second thing is we don't make judgments like that and certainly don't use words like that. But, you know, that was it was just interesting how I heard this from many people uh, in, in the housekeeping business in Ontario that they were advocate. I, I understand they were advocating for the owners. You know, they were being loyal. They didn't like the fact that occasionally a property may be disrespected. But we had to change the language. To start with. And uh, once we'd done that, that made quite the difference. But to see it continuing in those Facebook groups now is still... And, and I think when I talk about talked earlier about the great divide, I think I'm seeing this as becoming, it's not just a divide, it's a yawning chasm between those professional operators who see hospitality as being the primary function against the say against, versus the operators that are simply looking at the income and money. So this, this whole this whole concept of the guest is God is is going to be alien to many of them.
2: Yeah. A lot of property managers would argue that the property owner is God and the property and the guest is next, mm-hmm. to use the same metaphor. I, I think that the chasm that you're talking about, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, I have found that the Reason people get excited about being in the hospitality industry is because of the way that they feel doing it and the way that they make other people feel doing it. The key word in both those sentences being feel and connected emotionally to what is happening. Are you part of a guest's birthday or reunion (laughs) or last vacation together? Like that's a feeling. And those are real feelings that your guests have. And I think the people that we work with get that. They get that feeling. They're connected to that emotion. Mm -hmm. And they want to do it for that reason, because they know it makes the guests feel in a certain way, because they know it makes them feel in a certain way. It's almost like uh, artistic in a way. Versus the operational or technical side, which I think is much more linear. It's much easier to scale. It's much more profitable when done quickly. Hospitality at its core is not a quick overnight success, profitably speaking. It tends to be more of a long relationship. But I like to think that the one-offs, the individual interactions that we have with, whether it's a guest or a homeowner or a neighbor, the mayor, (laughs) it's the way that that person makes you feel. And if that person and the environment is making you feel in a way that is positive, because let's not avoid the fact that you can also make people feel terrified, (laughs) <laughs> if you're making guests feel good, that's a really special kind of calling, I think. And,
1: you know, a bit of an overused quote, perhaps, but Maya Angelou's quote of, I've learned that people will forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but people never forget how you make them feel is is a useful one. Just to always keep in mind, one of those that you should have perhaps stuck at the back of your desk so you
2: never, never forget it. Yeah. And if you tend to lean towards the side of non-hospitality, if you're operational, technical growth, that's great. Do a little diving into the hospitality feeling side. If you're all about the hospitality feeling side and you tend to avoid the technical operational growth stuff, do a little diving into that. Verse yourself on how to be more balanced. I think that is really the key. They're not mutually exclusive.
1: Yeah, that is a good point to make. There was a comment on that post on the Inner Circle about the guest being God. It was about boundaries. It was, you know, and I think actually it's a lady called Heather B, which I looked at it and I thought, I didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Imposter. I didn't say that. It's really, really good, but I didn't say it. (laughs) She said, if you empty the tank by not having any boundaries... You have nothing else to give others and can't be very gracious, kind, or
2: hospitable. And I think that was a really important thing to hear. Yeah, like back to those Airbnb hosts. I I hate to harp on it, but if you feel bad or angry or pissed off about having pigs in your house, chances are your guests will feel that. Mm -hmm. It conveys. And vice versa. If you're authentically connected with what you're doing and you do have boundaries like it's it's not unprofessional. In fact, it, it is the essence of professional to say, sorry, that's not something that we offer or this might not be for you. I, I think there's just so much to be said about knowing what you really like and serving that to people who will respect you for it and, and enjoying that. And that enjoyment fuels, right? Mm-hmm. It, it compounds.
1: Yeah, I was I was listening to a podcast recently by John DeJulius, who is the author of The Customer Service Revolution. We were at the VRMA conference a number I think it was in Phoenix a number of years ago and John DeJulius was the opening speaker and his performance was electrifying, I thought, and I've never forgotten that. Got his book immediately after it's and and it's one of my most tabbed books ever. There's, there's just so many aha moments in, the, in that. And I have to say, since, since I saw that, I sort of ran my business along the customer service revolution lines, you know, learning more about your, your guests, finding out their forge, you know, what their family is, their occupation, their, what they like to do for rest and relaxation and their dreams. Easy enough to speak to every, every guest and find that out and then use that to create those experiences for them. But it was interesting in the podcast I was listening to that he said the American Customer Satisfaction Index, which measured measures every industry this year, noted we've hit a 17-year low in customer satisfaction across the board. And I guess COVID had a lot to do with this. People had a lot more time sitting at home wondering about how they've been treated and whether it's acceptable or not. But also I'm, you know, looking at, I'm, I'm going off in a, on a tangent now, looking at AI and the impact that that's, that's having on us. And I found recently that going away from our industry, just in other industries where I'm trying to get service from somebody, I'm spending twice as long going through chatbots and getting answers that actually aren't relevant to me and then spending ages saying, get me a person. I want to speak to a live person (laughs) before finally getting my issue resolved. So touching on what you just said about, you know, knowing the technical side of it and spending some time on that, how do you feel about where we're going with AI and the service connection with our guests from a technical and machine learning perspective?
2: It's terrifying. The power of this revolution can't deny it, can't stop it, it will only get better (laughs) and faster. This is like, think about it, this is like the very first glimmers. This is the very beginnings of the first inning of all that stuff. So I think it fosters certainly a kind of change. We need to be ready for all kinds of change. It definitely fosters people looking for shortcuts. Some, not to say that that's a bad thing, sometimes Using a tool like that to achieve a task that you would have otherwise done manually and having it do that better and instantaneously, that's a good use of technology, I would say. But looking for shortcuts on the way that we make people feel the hospitality side of things, I have yet to find any shortcuts for mm-hmm. that stuff. And I think that's where you start to see all the Airbnb hustler types selling the courses online. They have definitely been evolving. I don't know if you've kept an eye on them, but they, they have been evolving. It's much more hospitality oriented mm-hmm. now, at least they use those words. But if you really peel back all these layers and you look at the most successful hospitality professionals, whether in our industry or or in hotels and other travel businesses, it's not a hackable process. It's mm-hmm. people that are really good people who are trained well and who make make customers feel a certain way.
1: It's it's about and, people who care and I'm not sure how you know how far does AI go to making people feel that somebody on the other side of their phone or whatever device they're on is actually caring about them.
2: Well, get this. I just got off the call with a machine that hand writes letters. Yeah. Have you seen this machine? Mm-hmm. You literally put a pen in oh, a little no, robotic. Oh, I have seen that. Oh. Yeah, it looks like a paper cutter gone full bionic. All right. It's got this little robotic arm with that holds an actual pen. You load in paper, and you type into a little computer what you want it to write. And then the little arm begins moving like a finger, like a hand. And I was like, this... Thing represents quite a crossroads. I feel very conflicted about this. Like it's deceiving people into thinking it was a handwritten note, but I really want one. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I could crank out hundreds of new like handwritten welcome notes with this thing. And the conversation ended with the woman who was hilarious. We ended up talking for like an hour and a half. She thought that our industry was fascinating. She thought that bespoke hospitality is really interesting. But she said, like, now, don't go telling too many people about us because the moment too many people know about us, our business becomes obsolete. And what I realized, it took a second to process, but, like, what she meant is when everyone knows that that handwritten note was actually done by a machine, does it hold the clout anymore?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And here I've
2: told everybody about it. But (laughs) – (laughs) yes (laughs) well mention the name
1: yeah fascinating though i love that but it's i mean that's it's not something it's not new i i know tyann has been using services that write postcards like handwritten pieces for for a long time but don't most people realize when they get something that handwritten and it's not messy and scrappy and (laughs) you know i know if i handwrite now i mean all of us can we can we
2: actually do handwriting
1: anymore (laughs)
2: I've just been handwriting a bunch of welcome letters and I, it looks like a, like an eight year old. (laughs) (laughs) So, so will this, will this machine allow you to do that? Can you,
1: can you sort of program it and say, make a mess of this, you know, make it look like I haven't been handwriting for the last 30 years.
2: (laughs) That's a very good question. I know it can do different fonts, but it ended up being far too expensive for me, Mm -hmm. for my budget. And I will never know maybe.
1: Oh well, everything I get handwritten now, I'm going to stare at it. You know, even if it's it, even if it comes completed. from Auntie Ada.
2: <laughs> are we now doubting hum- humans? Well, are we looking at material
1: that's on websites now and saying, you know, did you actually write this? And journalistic right. articles, did you write this, or was was it written by Chat GPT in the main, and you just made a few corrections and personalizations here and there? Kind of Honestly, yeah, yeah,
2: or. Is the per- the person you're chatting with, text messaging with, a bot? Yeah. And is it is it good enough to give you great information? <laughs> <laughs> These are legitimate conflicts that I think our industry needs to talk about more. Mm-hmm. Because they are really conflicting. Like, and, and I think from a very broad level, short-term rentals done really well are amazing. They change our lives. Short-term rentals done poorly ruin lives. hmm that's one big conflict that you you have to be honest about. You know. Which is a good
1: segue. Before we go there, we're going to pause a few moments to hear from our sponsor, Onores. The founder of Owneres, Paul Waldschmidt, joins me to answer a question that's often asked by hosts and managers looking at options for property management software. Welcome back, Paul. What are the top three features your clients find the most useful in the owner's software?
3: Wow, that's a really hard question. We divide up our features into what we call verticals internally, and there are eight of them. So you're asking me to pick the most valuable of those eight. But I think probably channel management would have to be number one. You'd be hard-pressed to find a a user. We do have some run RV parks and little specialty types of uh, vacation rentals that don't use it. But Channel management is just so ubiquitous now you'd have, to, you'd have to say that's one. It's also where you can see how, how hard we've worked in, in our elite status with uh, Verbo and Airbnb. So um, that's definitely near the top. Messaging, I think, would probably number two. We have a number of different messaging features, and we're constantly working to improve and, and, and drive that. But uh, again, you'd be hard-pressed to find users in our system who did not use our triggers, automated inquiry autoresponders, the triggers for sms as well and airbnb and there's just so much of owner res in the booking life cycle that is driven by that trigger and automated messaging and manual messaging system very versatile the ability to theme and make it your own and 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 really use it it would definitely be in the top three and the third one um i'm not quite sure if i would go either website or accounting accounting is a huge part of owner res it, it really encapsulates you know payment processing the ability to create, you know, line item invoices, multiple payments, you know, damage deposits, be it a security hold or a refundable. So the accounting is so spread through the system, and it has, you know, its tentacles into the property management side as well. It's a very big reporting suite. So I guess that that answers it for you. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna go with accounting for number three. We'll leave websites for number four.
1: <laughs> Thank so you. Those are the those
3: are the top three. <laughs> You're sorry, I had to
1: limit you <laughs> to just three. Now, let's get back to my interview with Matt Landau talking about a recent article I was reading. Which is a good segue into that article that you've read. I only picked it up this morning. I realized, you know, I, I looked at it, it said February the 9th, and I thought, oh, that's today. And then I realized, you know, my life is passing by far too quickly at the moment, and it's, it's now a week later. So this was in Texas Monthly, and it was titled Inside the bro- Brotastic. Is that brotastic,
2: said? yeah. Bro-tastic, bro is like the word, bro.
1: Brotastic mansions that, uh, that are threatening and... Uh, an Austin community. What was your? I'm, I'll put a link to that so people can go take a look. It's a fairly lengthy article, but I was quite fascinated by it because you know it's nothing new, is it? Different communities have been facing this for a long time, which is is triggered so much of the call for regulations and the uh, the advocacy movements um, working to look at these. So it's not it's not new, but. It was very focused and it sort of triggered a few things with me. Uh, there was one thing in there about an elementary school closing because there's no longer enough children in the area to populate it because so many of the properties have, been, have moved over to being short-term rentals. What were your thoughts on that article?
2: I didn't feel it was a balanced journalistic piece, mm-hmm. first of all. It was only one perspective. That said, I thought it was all very valid. And it was, if I was living in those... Houses, if I was those neighbors who, who were complaining, I would probably say something similar. And that's kind of the harsh pill to swallow as an industry leader, as a market leader, really. If you're mm-hmm. in any market and you're doing things professionally, this is something that you you have to accept. And I think here's where it starts to actually affect you, because it would be just as easy to go about ignoring these kinds of articles, ignoring these neighbors where it really starts to affect you is like you said heather the this chain of events of having irresponsible hosts who have irresponsible guests who ruin the uh, neighborhood to to stretch ruin the neighborhood who now have all these op- opponents other neighbors politicians angry who in turn implement some kind of unfair regulation and that word unfair is obviously not exact. I use it because I think short-term rental professionals need to hear that it will not be in their favor. Mm -hmm. From a very selfish perspective, it's unfair. I think I may use different words when I'm talking with uh, lawmakers or to non-vacation rental stakeholders, but for us, it will be something that goes against your interests. Unless... You're actively participating in this advocacy stuff. And where it's really becoming a nightmare for people is when they had no idea it was coming and they just thought, oh, I'll just continue operating. I'm doing my work fine. I don't have, I'm doing this on the side. I don't have time to contribute to advocacy efforts. What does that even mean? Suddenly you're shutting down my uh, short-term rental and it's too late Mm -hmm. to go and begin participating and having conversations and building an alliance so that's where I think it's going to catch a lot of people off guard. That's where it's going to affect your bottom line. And the longer we put off these kinds of topics, I think the more dangerous it gets.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll put a link on the show notes to Rent Responsibly. I think that's a that's a good start for everybody that's in this business to go and check out Rent Responsibly and and actually start to talk to these guys who run it because they're out there looking out for your interests, but they also want everybody to be involved in advocacy. So there was something that I picked out in the article. I think you're absolutely right. It was written from one perspective and there was an ax to grind for sure. But there was just one piece and it said prior to construction, and this was about a residence that they were talking about, prior to construction, the residence had three bedrooms. Now with closets converted into miniature sleeping quarters, it contains seven bedrooms with 15 beds. And here's where the perspective comes in, allowing the property to function as a mini hotel, because I think they're using that as a as a sort of catch-all phrase to ferment unrest, if you like. But I think, I mean, I'd, I'd love to get Justin Ford in there to take a look at the, these <laughs> these uh, these closet bedrooms. But that, to me, is where the irresponsibility lies, and it's not where you know the professional host and manager is going to pack them in as much as they can. And then I guess when I read into it more and the graffiti bus in the yard, the electric scooters, the uh, stripper's pole, possibly pointing to something that neighbours could be upset about.
2: (laughs) I would be upset about it. In fact, I mean, these kinds of things, like we have to put ourselves in other people's shoes, whether it's a neighbour, whether it's a elementary school employee, whether it's a local business really is helpful, I think, the people who understand that this is not a simple system. This is a complex system with lots of moving parts. It's like a system in a lot of ways. You need to understand that there's things that you can do, and there's perhaps a, an obligation proportional to the size of the amount that you extract. This is where I think we need to hold the OTAs more accountable. They are profiting proportionally more than any other company in the industry, arguably? Are they contributing on behalf of the core stakeholders, the property managers, the hosts? Are they contributing to local advocacy efforts that uh, represent all those stakeholders? Or are they just going in and inking deals that allow them to deliver better earnings reports? I think having honest conversations with the OTAs is long overdue.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess that will be rent responsibly, and the other organisations that are promoting advocacy, VRMA, I would hope, is going in that direction. Matt, before we wrap up, I know you you are eager to head into your retreat over the next couple of days. So before we go, let's give the listeners some action points that they can take following this conversation. You know, having talked about hospitality we've talked about boundaries we've talked about customer satisfaction not posting on facebook groups <laughs> really thinking about you know how how you buy into some of those more contentious posts can you come up with with a few action points for people
2: we need leaders and most of our leaders don't realize they're leaders so most of the people who listen to this podcast are certainly are and They're already doing a lot of this stuff and they're trying desperately to preach it to other people so that they will listen, which is the the objective here. The single best advice is to attend conferences, to attend events where there's a whole bunch of other leaders who are trying to do things similarly. It's way too complex of a world to try to navigate on your own. I recommend any conference. There are some that are a little more skewed towards success, success, no, that's actually not right. That was yours. What are these other ones <laughs> skewed towards, Heather? There is a conference that I, I have not been to. Um, in, in yeah, Nashville. wealth. It's about wealth. Wealth. That's the one yeah. where it's wealth, yeah. wealth, not hospitality. Exactly. There, there's just something that happens. We have to be honest here. There's something that happens when you promote, when you lead with a theme of wealth, growth, scale, make money. Like when you lead with that, you attract that. Mm -hmm. And then the hospitality stuff somewhere is supposed to fall in afterwards. So my big advice here is to attend one of these events, not of those events, attend an event that caters to this professional side that uh, we talk about, Mm -hmm. which I would argue is a hospitality first kind of leader. This particular event that we're hosting here, we, we found that these kinds of leaders need safe spaces, small environments to practice. That thought leadership to realize that something they're doing is actually a first or to simply recognize that there are other people doing it along with them and that they have some confidence to begin sharing it a little bit more so that on stages at the big conferences, we can begin to see new voices mm-hmm. and new perspectives and people who are doing things in a different way, but an equally professional an admirable way. That's my big wish for 2023. I'm sure we can share a, a link to the events that are taking place throughout the course of the year.
1: Yes, exactly. And talking about that, where are you going to be? Oh, well, mind you, that's probably a very long list.
2: <laughs> right now, I'm most excited about and planning on more of these Keystone retreats. Mm-hmm. We're doing three more uh, over this year, and then something else a little bit bigger, So uh, these are just small things. These are cohorts of 15 or 20 people hosted in beautiful settings. So we're doing another one in May. Uh, Doesn't look like we will get to have you, Heather, at that one. But if anybody's interested, you can just email me and we'll provide more information.
1: Yeah, I will be at the short, Short Stay Week in Barcelona.
2: A wonderful event unto itself.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, shout out to Damien Sheridan for these events that he puts on. I mean, you were there at the Book Direct show in Miami, which was exactly one of those events that that you're talking about. It was small. It was intimate. The networking was outstanding. And you got to talk to everybody that was there. And of course- Shout
2: out to these event coordinators, man. (laughs) They are another breed of human.
1: Yeah, I've been there. (laughs) not sure I ever want to go there again but then when I have talked to Damien he's putting on an entire week in Barcelona so it's it's a book direct show and it's it's the scale conference and there's a Lux conference and then touch day are doing workshops and, and it's just it, it's going to be a great week and I thought that that's a brilliant thing to do when you're bringing people into a really great city like barcelona exactly. so you're not just asking them to pop in for a couple of days and go but give them a whole week and they can pick and mix what they do what they attend and then just explore the city for the rest of the time that's it's a great way of doing it and then of course um a big shout out to antonio bortolotti for his conference which will be on the list as well because over, over
2: the years he has grown that into such an amazing event yeah they, these people they put out the vibes They attract people who like those vibes, Mm -hmm. who are similar kinds of people, who get to know one another and end up becoming besties, Mm -hmm. uh, very much like you and I did. So it's the big hump of choosing one event, your first event to attend. Even if you didn't like it, you don't end up regretting it. You end up thinking to yourself, wow, there's this whole other world Mm -hmm. out there that I can be part of, and it's waiting for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for bringing up events. I think that is a great chance for me to add that to the show notes and people can go there and check out those events. So finally, I caught, was it the Home Runners episode you did? The shorts with Lance and Elaine and Mm. Seaside Vacations, which I watched twice. I thought that was just brilliant. They are the essence of what professional property managers are, you know, so immersed in their community. Are there going to be any more of
2: these these shorts and shows? Yes. <laughs> yes. I asked myself, what is the story that we're trying to tell here towards the end of last year? What is this story that I want to tell? And that was actually not a question that I had held myself to ever and it's taken a number of months to reflect on that question. What is this story of our industry that we want to tell the world? And I never had any experience in storytelling. I just kind of like did it Mm -hmm. naturally, but suddenly realized that this is a whole craft. Storytelling is an entire world and something very valuable that I could invest in. So I, I, took some master classes in storytelling over the months, and I'm finally coming full circle into be able, being able to put that story into a narrative. And I think this is a big breakthrough for me, but finally, for the first time, I'll be able to see where each of these amazing home runners, the Lance and Elaine Stitchers, the Tim Johnsons, the the Steve Milo's and Steve Schwab's and all the Steve's in between where all these home runners fit in the story that I want to tell to the public about this industry and how we're changing hospitality. As you can tell, that's a big uh, (laughs) question, a big endeavor, but I'm actually like super close to the finish line. So I'm thrilled to actually put that finally into words, but it was a process of detangling a bunch of amazing stories that all have their own essence into something cohesive that I'm really excited about.
1: Well, we will watch out for that.
2: Yeah. And look what I got on. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) This is from from Ruth in Italy. She sent me this shirt.
1: That's wonderful. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I know you've got busy time ahead of you. Have a wonderful few days. The, you've got an amazing bunch of people there. I'm sure it's going to be a very special time. So uh, look forward to hearing about that from from Tian at least because I know Tyann's going to be there over this next few Thank days. You, and I look forward at some point to being able to join you at one of these retreats.
2: Yes, indeed. Thank you, Heather.
1: It's always a pleasure, Matt. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining me. It's always so great to chat and to just talk about the industry in general, where you see it going. You have such a pragmatic view of it. I tend to go into looking at some things with a bit more, you know, emotion, knee jerk reactions when, you know, talking to Matt. He has thought through all of these issues and is very. As I say, pragmatic about the approach he takes to them, so it's 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 like it's grounding, I guess. So I'm hoping that I can chat with Matt uh, a little more often over the next few months, years, however long we continue with this podcast. Which, you know, we're approaching five hundred episodes, and I'm thinking, yeah, perhaps I shall I shall continue doing this till we get to a thousand episodes, which is sort of near enough another. Nine or ten years. So, hang on, let me think about that. My math is not very good. Yeah, I think I'm about right. It's probably about nine or ten years. So, anyway, enough of me blundering through the outro. As as my my husband will tell me when he's trying to edit it. I'm going to end this now. And um, thank you so much for listening. Do not forget that we are beginning to slow promote the Vacation Rental Business School. And you'll be hearing more about this over the next few weeks. We'll be launching a new website before too long and bringing you a ton of training content. And last week, Lance Stitcher, I think, in the the episode said that you can't teach this stuff. You know, you have to be in there and doing it. But actually, I'm not sure I agree with that. There is so much that you can teach. And we have people in this industry who've been doing this for many, many years. And these are the people that we're bringing you to teach it, not those that started out six months ago and have made their first million. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure they can do that, but they're claiming they've made their first million and they're going to tell you how to do it. We are bringing you those who have been there, who have done it, and who want to share that experience with you because they've got proven results. And they've probably made their millions too. It's just taken a little bit longer and there will be more longevity in what they are doing and in what they are teaching you to do. So to learn more, go to the link in the show notes to the Vacation Rental Business School, or you can go to vacationrentalformula.com. And you can find all the information there as well. So thank you once again for joining me this week. And I am really looking forward to the next episode that I will bring you.
0: This episode was brought to you by Owner Res. For more information about this internationally recognized leader in vacation rental software, click the link in the description of this episode on your smart device or head over to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash to find out more.
1: It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.